This should be entertaining. Listening to the Omar the Barbarian podcast, where we talk about what is best in life. Today, our topic is the new Jason Momoa, Momoa thriller on Netflix. It's called Sweet Girl. It's 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 bad. Now, if you have not watched Sweet Girl and you are planning to watch Sweet Girl, please pause this podcast, go and watch that, and then come back. And then you can listen to me tell you about how you are never, ever getting those 110 minutes of your life back. Now, if you do not plan on watching Sweet Girl or you just don't care about spoilers, then kick back and relax. My goal here is to save you 100 minutes by only wasting 10. So please, Mr. Producer, can you uh, throw 10 minutes on the clock or less so that I can tell all two of my listeners about Sweet Girl on Netflix on this episode of OTB. All right, here we go. So, Sweet Girl, according to the internets, is an American action thriller film directed by Brian Andrew Mendoza in his feature directorial debut. It was written by Philip Eisner and Greg Hurwitz. Stars Jason Momoa. Isabella Merced, I think I'm saying that right, and a host of others. It was released on Netflix on August 20th, 2021, to negative reviews. And let me tell y'all, those reviews are well-earned. It is currently sitting at 19% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. That's uh, with 36, I believe, as I'm recording this, uh, critical reviews in, and 46% Rotten uh, fan reviews, uh, ratings, I should say, 250 plus fan ratings. Now, look, I'm not going to mince words. It's bad. I did not enjoy this movie, but there are some things that it gets right. And I'm going to focus the bulk of this review on those. Now, what is this thing about? What is Sweet Girl all about? Now, the film takes place in Pittsburgh. All right, so uh, Jason Momoa's wife uh, is a woman named Amanda Cooper, and she gets a rare form of cancer. Now, Jason Momoa plays a survival expert named Ray Cooper, and he's told that a potentially life-saving drug for Amanda was pulled off the market just days before her treatment was set to begin. Due to BioPrime CEO Simon Keeley, 
paying the manufacturer to delay production. So this movie follows the usual action thriller tropes. Uh, Momoa's in the hospital at his wife's bedside so that we can establish him as a good dad, good husband, good dude, likable, blah, blah, blah. He's sitting there, and of course the TV is on, and he's watching the BioPrime CEO, uh, Keeley, on a live debate with a congresswoman named Diana Morgan. And they're arguing about the cost of meds, etc. And so uh, Ray calls into the live show, and he threatens Keeley saying that if he doesn't reverse his decision, he'll kill him. You know, if my wife dies, then I'm going to kill you with my bare hands. I'm not doing Jason Momoa's voice real well. I don't know why this comes out when I say it. <laughs> sound, I don't sound like Jason Momoa, I can say that. Honestly, how does the movie really not end right there? You can't threaten a person with murder on national TV and not at least get a visit by the local police. Also, I felt this move, while kind of badass, undid everything the opening salvo does to establish Jason Momoa as a good dude. Now, he's a flawed dude, which, fine, if that's what you're going for. But then, why go through all of the initial stuff to set the tone for good dude, right? So, Keely doesn't take the threat seriously because the plot needs him not to. And Amanda passes away soon after that. It devastates Ray, devastates their daughter, Rachel. And then the movie continues from there. Now I will say this, and this is one of those things the movie got right. Jason Momoa showed more range as an actor in this than in anything else I've seen him do. The scene when he finds out that his wife has died will send chills down your spine. I bought it. Hook, line, and sinker, man. He delivers this gut-wrenching wail that made me believe that he truly loved this woman. All right. So then six months, time jump, six months goes by, right? Ray gets a call from a journalist, uh, and they do this sort of cloak and dagger thing going through the Pittsburgh subways. Where the dude's like, all right, you're going to see somebody, you know, wearing a, a blue denim jacket. You're going to follow them. And then, you know, okay, turn left here and do that. And so you're doing all this stuff. Um, and we find out later on that the dude telling him to do all the stuff is, ends up telling him to follow himself. Uh, and it's this dude named Martin Bennett. And when they finally connect on the subway, he's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I had to do all the cloak and dagger stuff. But, you know, I can't take any chances. Uh, and he tells him that he has evidence of criminal activity that has been committed by Bioprime. And say, so, you know, again, they meet up in the subway. And what they don't know, unbeknownst to them, is that Rachel has followed them. Right. Because the plot needs her to be there. And uh, Hitman is also there named Santos. Now, the journalist Bennett explains to Momoa that Bioprime has been bribing dudes, really anybody who has questions about, you know, their dirty, you know, activities. But right before, I mean, literally right before he can share the, the, the core information, Santos rolls up and stabs him. And so as the train stops at a station, Santos also stabs Ray and knocks her out. Razor. He literally flips her over his head and leaves them both on the platform for dead. All right. Uh, now, this is a professional hitman. I don't know why 
Uh, well, you know what? As I'm thinking about it, he was there to kill Bennett. You know, Ray and Rachel are like collateral damage. So he just books. Okay, so uh, I'll just answer my own question. Then we have yet another time jump, right? It's two years after that. Yes, two time jumps in the first 15 minutes of the flick. Ray and Rachel have been obsessively tracking Keeley's movements. Now, Ray poses as a waiter to infiltrate BioPrime's uh, charity auction so that he can interrogate Keeley. Keeley says he knows nothing, tells him to go after BioPrime's chairman, uh, this dude named Vinod Shah. And then after this really brutal fight, uh, it leaves one of Keeley's bodyguards dead. Ray strangles him to death with a plastic bag. Ray then gets Rachel and they hide in a motel outside of town. Rachel is concerned that her father has really gone too far and she contacts uh, an FBI agent named Sarah Meeker and tries to convince her to look into BioPrime. And so the next morning, uh, two mercenaries break into the motel and Ray kills both of them. And this results in further tension between him and Rachel. So Ray then plans to go after Shaw and lets Rachel help him trap Shaw. Uh, Ray tries to interrogate him, but Sean refuses to talk and uh, is soon killed by Santos. So then Ray and Rachel meet with Santos at a diner. And this is actually uh, in one of the better scenes in the movie. Uh, though the dialogue is actually not very good, the acting is good. And so casting kind of saves some things here. And after uh, Santos admits that he uh, finds himself sympathetic to Ray's cause, he reveals that Morgan, the congresswoman, uh, congresswoman, excuse me, is his actual employer. And so he uh, also says like this kind of parting comment to Rachel. He's like, hey, I'll see you soon. So then they go uh, to the city again. Uh, and there Ray is ambushed by the FBI. He flees to the roof of a baseball stadium. And as Meeker is trying to talk him down, the big twist here at the end, you know, towards or not the end, but sort of towards the end of the flick is that it's revealed that Ray is actually Rachel, his daughter. Right. Yep. You know, it was Agatha all along. Right. So way back in the first 15 minutes of the flick, when Ray is stabbed on the train, he actually dies. Rachel loses it and has been on this murdering spree the entire time. This twist wants so badly to be Kaiser Sose. It wants to be Coke, but it's but it's Pepsi. You know, it, it's uh, it's trying to be Kaiser Sose, straightening out his limp, but it's it's just not right. Uh, now, I will admit, I was like, oh man, oh wow, right initially, but the more I thought about it, the more I just didn't buy it. You know, like Rachel is maybe 105 pounds soaking wet, man, and she's taking out dudes who are professional killers. Mostly because her plot armor needs her to. So uh, Rachel's been suffering from PTSD the entire time. She devotes herself to finishing uh, Ray's quest for vengeance, you know, which had they gone another route, uh, more, say, Kevin, Home Alone, Traps, Guile, and Stealth, as opposed to Brute Force, I might be more forgiving. Because the whole time I'm watching these fight scenes, it didn't feel like a Jason Momoa movie. Now, I buy that Jason Momoa can beat people up. I buy that. He's huge, right? You know, but 
because this is actually Rachel fighting during the scenes, the movie makes you think it's Ray. You know, it looks like it's Jason Momoa when it's actually not him. So he looks like he can't really fight. You know, I was noticing, I'm like, you know, this fight, this doesn't feel like an action movie. It feels, you know, where my initial thought was that, you know, kind of like in Casino Royale, James Bond has to actually earn every every win he has. Like the fights in Casino Royale are brutal. But at no point do I ever think that James Bond can't fight. If anything, I'm like, wow, man, James Bond got mad squabbles. Uh, this felt like, wow, Jason Momoa can't fight, and he's really getting lucky uh, the entire time. So, uh, which is counter to everything we've ever seen him in. So, my my mind had difficulty accepting this when I was looking at it, and then. I guess what they were trying to do with the big twist was say, ha ha, it was Agatha all along. And you kind of, you know, and in doing so, what I guess they wanted us to do is to go, oh, that's why the fights were awkward. And oh, wow, she really is a badass because she's killing dudes that are professional killers. They even try to shoehorn it in in the diner scene where Santos says to her, because now we realize that it was actually Rachel talking to Santos in the diner and not Ray because Ray's dead. Uh, he calls her uh, basically an amateur. He's like, in, in, in my world, you're just an amateur. You've got a few kills, you know, but you, 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 you ain't a beast. And so uh, it, for me, this had the adverse effect, you know, whereas it's supposed to give her credibility even as an amateur so that we believe and buy in when she eventually kills Santos at the end. What it did for me was have the opposite effect. Like neither side of it really works well. Momoa loses credibility when you don't know it's really Rachel because he don't look like he can fight. But Rachel doesn't really gain credibility when you realize it's her. Momoa just looks weak and Rachel's murders feel unearned and unsatisfying, at least to me. This movie really leaves you with no one to root for because at the end of the day, Rachel, Rachel, I hear killing dudes and it's, it's, it's bad because you feel like you should be able to root for her. This pharmaceutical company took, uh, drugs off of the market that could have saved her moms and you want to root for her and you, you, there's a level where I can understand her anger. Because you're like, yo, but, but it's not, uh, they, they, the mistake they made for me that made it difficult to buy into is they didn't, you know, there wasn't enough sympathy for the hero because he threatens a dude like 15 minutes in before anything's actually happened. And you're like, well, okay. You know, I get that anger. Um, it got very convoluted as it went in, you know, with the twists and all the different things that they tried to, you know, use sort of smoke and mirrors to make, you know, I guess they're using the twist to cover up, you know, really a bad movie. And I, I felt like I had no one to root for. You know, there wasn't enough sympathy for the hero because she feels like, you know, really no better than the people who did her in it. And it doesn't have the satisfying quality of a straight up revenge flick. 
right? So you're kind of just there. And so in the final act, uh, Rachel locates uh, Congresswoman uh, Morgan's campaign office while Santos is waiting. And despite him initially managing to subdue and seemingly drown her, she's able to regain her strength because, again, that that plot armor is uh, is magnificent when you have it. And she ends up stabbing this professional killer to death and leaving him dead in a, you know, a fountain. So then she goes and confronts Morgan and secretly records her, you know, and Morgan's like admitting that she bribed, uh, bribed a bio, a bio prime for government contracts and that she ordered the hit on Bennett and Ray. Um, which is interesting because, uh, you know, the, uh, I, I guess, I don't know if she, how she would have known about Ray, but, um, according to the internet, it was like, she ordered the hit on both of them, but I'm thinking at the time I have to go back and look at it. I don't know how she would have known about Ray being involved or that maybe she was tracking Bennett's phone calls or something like that. And she knew, but apparently she's like, yeah, I ordered the hit on both of them. So then Rachel sends that recording to the FBI somehow unclear manages to get a fake passport don't know how she d- did that, but I guess if she can murder mercenaries and professional killers, passport seems pretty easy to do, right? She then uh, exchanges her money for cryptocurrency because, you know, why not? And then boards a plane to what the internet is calling an uncertain future. And so, yeah, that's it. That's sweet girl. So again, uh, what did I actually like about this? Jason Momoa showing range. Momoa is actually really good in this. Uh, fight choreography aside, he's uh, really only played Aquaman, you know, which, let's be honest, he, that's really him playing himself, and Zack Snyder called him Aquaman. He's, he's Cal Drogo, right? Uh, which, to be honest, that didn't feel like a stretch either. So this character was a bit more nuanced, and Momoa does a really nice job with his range. Like I said, if, if uh, you feel so inclined, go to the scene, watch the first 20 minutes of this thing just to see him lose it when his wife, when he finds out his wife is dead. It's chilling. It, it's uh, one of the better, you know, m- you know, scenes where the hero finds out that a loved one has passed that I've seen. He he really sells that thing. He also had very good chemistry with Isabella Merced. Merced, I think I'm saying her name right. You know, forgive me if I'm not. Isabella, I know you're listening. Um, I love them together. They are great together. And you know, this film could have really been a lot worse if not for really good casting. Uh, good casting goes a long way and it makes it you know a bit more watchable. Um, but don't get me wrong. It, you know, it, I'm gonna give this thing up one and a half stars. I mean, it's 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 bad, you all. Um, see, I watch these movies so that you won't have to. You know, this is a service that I'm providing to you. <laughs> now, if uh, there, there's something you'd like us to cover here, review, watch, or if you just want to comment about the show, uh, we have now a Google Voice mailbox. Uh, you can call eight one three. 384-8463 you can leave a comment or a question and at some point I'll probably do a show where I respond to listener feedback uh, also if you haven't already please subscribe to the show and leave positive reviews uh, <laughs> unlike what I am leaving for Sweet Girl 
All right. This has been Omar the Barbarian. Uh, was that? That feels like it was a longer ten minutes, but I promise you, it was. I just saved you a hundred um, from having to watch that movie. All right, deuce. <laughs>